Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Friday foolishness. That's a topic. <laughs> nonetheless, good morning. And especially good morning to Boston, Boston Celtics. How are we doing? He is Drew Densick. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. Thanks for watching on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. On today's show, Drew and I will break down the Celtics' big victory in game one of the NBA Finals and what that means now for the rest of the series. And we're also going to discuss how to get involved with the French Open Final between Coco Golf and Iga Shiantic. Plus, one of our researchers, Johnny V. If you don't know him, you're going to learn today. He's been handicapping college baseball all season. He's going to stop by to tell us who he's backing and fading in the College World Series. And our best bets, Edge of the Day, that's coming up, plus a lot more here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. It's Friday. That's all I got to say. What is going on? How are you doing? Great NBA game last night. That's all. Oh, yeah. Celtics see us rise. Uh, Cuss cries. Usually you make a joke about how like I'm distracted watching tennis. Correct. I turned it off. I've turned it off. Sasha Zverev, he can go home. That was just. uh, You just just needed the first set. He's just teasing me in that first set. Up a break. Cruising. Serve untouchable. And then he lost his mind. And he loses. He gives the break back. He takes it to tie break. He plays unbelievable tennis through eight points of the tie break. Up 6-2. Just put away one more point, buddy. He can't do it. He loses the first set. My first set money line plus 200 is a loser. Uh, and you know what? It was live. It got hmm. up to minus 6,600 <laughs> that he was going to win that first Nadal set. Nadal was 15-1 to one to win the first set yeah. when he was down 2-6 in the tie break. But you know what? I said Friday foolishness. You know the other word I wanted to use. <laughs> the kid friendly. So that's what happened today. We move Fridays. forward. And you know what the good thing is, Drew? I have your undivided attention yeah, for the right. next 30 minutes. You don't have to watch Nadal. That first set bet is over. We move forward. Yep. Yep. Yesterday was a good night for the Boston Celtics for Ooh. your futures ticket. Jalen Brown. I'm going to talk about Jalen Brown later in the show. Don't you worry. But overall, Celtics come back. Huge fourth quarter. They win 120 to 108. The over yeah. obviously hit Celtics cover. Your initial reaction and response to now watching the Celtics after game one and how we're going to attack game two. Yeah. So a lot of the first half was. Um... Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like Celtics. Yeah. Good. Get fight back. All right. I like it. Like no sign of choke. Yeah. Welcome to the finals. Like no sign of nerves. No sign of the experience being hugely imbalanced. Like they were. They were there to play. It was very cool seeing them take a lead into halftime. And then the third quarter, one way action for the Warriors was like 
are you serious? Come on, guys. You didn't expect this? Like, really? There was, like, the, the, the looks on their faces? Like, really? You're surprised the Warriors, are, are, you know, the Warriors barrage in the third quarter was coming? Like, you, you, you should have predicted this. Um, but then the fourth quarter was literally, like, if if you were, like, you could only have one quarter to watch a basketball for the rest of your life on, on replay, like, I'll take that one. Uh, that was such a fun, fun, fun quarter as a Celtics backer. The, um, and honestly, like, after the game, Draymond Green is out here getting quoted, you know, giving quotes like, well, we were ahead for most of the game. So, you know, no reason to panic. And it's like, dude, did you not see like what was happening in that fourth quarter? Like that reaction in and of itself was so it was it should be concerning if you're a Warriors fan or a backer that there was not more urgency. But, you know, from Draymond Green in the wake of that, uh, you know, collapse, because honestly, if you go back and look at the way that that went down. It was not lucky shots. There were two lucky three-pointers made by Derek White. The rest of those threes that the Celtics buried were wide-open looks. They were running their good offense. They saved their good offense for the fourth quarter, by the way. They were running their good offense. The Warriors' defense had no answer. They had guys that had 6 to 12 feet of separation getting off three-pointers, and those are guys that bury threes at a high clip. And so the fact that it was one-way traffic Celtics in the fourth, considering the way that they were operating, was not surprising. And, you know, I think the the better, you know, kind of the more encouraging notes for the Celtics backers was the way that their defense adjusted in the fourth quarter. You mentioned it, the Warriors only scored 16 points. Like, if the Warriors make a couple more layups or make a couple more threes, that's probably a more competitive fourth quarter, and it's a little bit of a sweat uh, for a Celtics game one money line. But, um the Celtics basically had three or four guys dedicated to Steph and were like, anyone else beat us. We dare you. Draymond Green, we'll give you, we'll give you the entire half of the court. Take a three. We dare you. And they, the Warriors had nothing that they could offer offensively. There were some possessions late in that game where Steph, like the, the play was obviously to try to get Steph a wide open look from three. And the Celtics had two guys rotate and have a hand in his face. It was awesome to see. Celtics are absolutely a clicking machine. You know, they're a machine right now. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm, you know, we'll, I'll save some of the drama for the end, you know, edge of the day here. But uh, yeah, we're going to give us another four points for game two. Well, now if we look at the series prices, Celtics are favored minus 165. Um, and, and obviously, I think you perfectly described the fourth quarter. It was incredible. And I stay up late nowadays. So, so happy I didn't somehow uh, <laughs> toes off that fourth quarter. I've seen probably in an extremely long time, especially backing the Celtics last night with you taking the points. Yeah, 40 to 16 in favor of the Celtics in the fourth quarter. Um, it was fantastic. Uh, How do you not bring up Al Horford? That's what I'm wondering. I heard it's his oh, birthday. I think man. I saw that on Twitter today. Oh, what an NBA finals debut for Al Horford. Um, regardless if you're just an NBA fan, you like humans and you like people to see them. You like to see people succeed rather after playing yeah. so long in the league. That was also extremely fun to watch. And he's now 16 to one to win finals MVP. We'll see how that plays out. We are going to break down this game more for edge of the day, but I think if you, I'm going to run through some of the player props last night. We talked about it leading into this show, but Steph Curry over three and a half threes that came home in the first quarter. Um, Jordan Poole, his under came home. Clay Thompson under points came home. Jason Tatum, big under burger on the points for last night. Al Horford though, <laughs> over 10 and a half points. Easy money. Al Horford, 26 points, nine for 12 shooting. I mentioned now he's the third favorite, I think, or fourth favorite rather to win MVP yeah. of the finals game two. 
brief thoughts. I know you're going to give your pick at the end of the game for Sunday. I will as well, our edge of the day, both of those games. Early this morning, I was personally surprised to see money coming in on Golden State. We're looking at four and a half right now. Our producer, Adam, and I were briefly chatting before we jumped on air, before you came on, Drew. And it, will this touch five in your opinion? Will enough money get on the Warriors for game two? And can we get a five by Sunday night? I can't imagine, honestly. Um, if it if that happens, uh, so be it. But the idea, so here's the thing. We saw the Warriors, the Warriors, they don't have a ton of adjustments in their war chest. They don't. Literally, like their entire secret weapon throughout the regular season has been, we're just going to flip the switch in the third quarter. We're going to play a little harder. We're going to try it. We're going to hustle a little more on defense. We're going to uh, let's let Steph kind of uh, take the governor off and let him shoot more threes. Like those adjustments are not going to be good enough. They're just not. They're going to mm-hmm. need to find a way to get offense out of some other player that is not Steph Curry. And that is going to be challenging against what is a very complete team defense for the Celtics. Um, and so I'm, I, you know, I, I don't really have any answers for the Warriors. If they called me up and they were like, look, dude, you had a good read on the series. Give us some tips and some adjustments. We need to get back into this thing. I don't really know what to tell them. Like there's not a good way to really make this Boston Celtics team pay. If you don't have a player named Giannis, I don't see it happening personally that the Celtics, you know, the Warriors are going to be able to bounce back without, um, you know, the Celtics just completely no showing in terms of Mm -hmm. shooting in this one. Um, And so, you know, the fact that the total has been adjusted up as high as it is doesn't seem right to me. This feels like that's really interesting looking at the reaction in the market for the total now at 215. We saw yesterday 210 and a half that got steamed as we were even on air getting ready for game one. So obviously the game two, five points higher than the opening total for game one. There were 41 three-pointers made in game one. NBA finals record for most threes in a game. It's moving a bunch now back down to 214. I will be curious to see Sunday night where this total lands. I'm not getting involved for the reasons that we saw last night. Any fourth quarter breakdown from either side blows this total, obviously. Either way, you're playing it. So staying away from the total, I know you have a a play in this game on the side, as we mentioned. We'll get to that. But 85% of the bet count, 94% of the spread handle for game two on the Golden State Warriors as of now, and then 86% of the handle coming in on the over for game two for Sunday night as well. So same similar action as we saw for game one. The only kind of easy tweak that the Warriors can make is to tighten up their perimeter defense a little bit better overcommit to defending the three-point line, give up a little bit more at the rim. Like, you know, big deal. Like, if you're giving up threes, you're out of this game. If you're giving up twos, you just need to hit your threes and you're still in this game. So, realistically, I think uh, you're going to see a little bit tighter game, a little bit lower scoring game, particularly in the first half. Um, But once the Celtics figure out exactly what the Warriors are doing to tweak their perimeter defense, I would expect them to attack the rim Mm -hmm. early and often. This feels like a a Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum kind of an explosion sort of a game at the rim. Um, And uh, realistically, uh, I think the Celtics win a close one, and I think it comes in way under the total. Okay. Again, we're going to break down this game in just a little bit. But a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, on the PGA Tour, and NASCAR circuit.
What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply. Must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-888-5 322-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms dash and dash conditions. Uh, obviously the NBA finals going on has us thinking about it constantly, especially after last night, but you, you think differently. You think about the French Open nonstop and that's where we need to go, getting into the women's side with Iga. Talked about her a little bit. Over the last year, I've learned a lot about Iga, taking on Coco Golf now. By the way, Iga Sviantek minus 800, Coco Golf plus 480. What are we doing with this match tomorrow? Well, Iga uh, recently uh, turned 21. Uh, so she's now legal drinking age. Which, a, uh, I'm wearing a Budweiser she, she can, Yeah, can she can pop. She, I think I, <laughs> the rules are probably different in Europe, but she can pop some champagne here as she wins Definitely her second, her second ever off. French Open. <laughs> but yeah, no, Iga has been superlative this fortnight uh she has dropped one set uh that one set came at the hands of a tie break to uh sheng shuen it was a uh, a very competitive set and she was up 5-2 in that first set 5-2 in the tie break ended up uh, conceding um but that all that said she came into this tournament with a little bit of um pressure which is unusual usually Iga plays with no pressure she's just out there firing bullets and uh you know seems unflappable but you could feel that she was playing with a little bit more pressure through the first uh four rounds of this tournament until she came back and you know she dropped the set uh against uh Shang and then she kind of that kind of um seemed to take a little bit of the pressure off because she was on just an absolute streak of not dropping a set she comes out the next match the market had kind of lost a little bit of a love for her and she had you had a fair price to back her against Pagula and then an, an unbelievably good price to back her against Dasha Kasatkina who she is much you know perfect matchup against uh and so it was fun to bet against Iga straight sets the last two rounds uh and continued to add to what has been an awesome you know you know uh fortnight backing her in general um and now she takes on Cor Coco Goff in the uh, finals and Coco Goff mm -hmm. is no slouch she is an up-and-coming women's tennis player from the United States, if you have not seen or heard of her before. She is a former junior champion here at Roland Garros. In fact, she won the juniors here in the same bracket with Iga Sviantek when she was a junior. Iga lost in the semifinals to Kat McNally. Coco beat Kat in the finals, wins the, you know, wins the gold, you know, the silver plate or whatever they give the juniors. Um, and uh, Coco Goff is most comfortable on clay, is comfortable playing in Paris. Um, and she, believe it or not, is the cleaner player coming into this uh, final, having not dropped a set at all this fort. So take me through a minus 770 for Ega. Yeah. Uh, well, there's an Ega tax there. 
and it's big because honestly, fair price, probably ego minus 425, minus 450. Um, and so what we saw was two matches in a row where the market was a little cool on her, a little nervous about her, a little bit unwilling to get involved with the, you know, with, you know, with the super heavy sets and super heavy prices. And then in that semifinals, she was unstoppably good. And so, so superlatively good, specifically in that second set that the market now is back on. Oh, well, now, now we, now we believe in her again. Right. And so this opened up in the minus 600 range. I did a double take. I was like 600. Wow. Okay. Fine. I guess they, I guess, I guess, I guess they're expecting Ega money. Well, they got Ega money. It's out to 770. Uh, and that is a prohibitively high number. Um, again, my fare is uh, around minus 425, which means my fare for Coco Golf is plus 425. And my betting golf. For people looking to get involved, yeah. whether it's yeah. set betting, you want to attack the game, yeah. because I'm looking to get involved. I have nothing okay. on Ega, nothing in the futures market for Coco Golf, but I'm not laying 770. No, 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 no. <laughs> so what happens in tennis when you have a big underdog like this? So let's talk about this. Plus yeah. 480. We'll just call it plus 500. We'll call it five to one on Goff. That means that the market thinks she has a one in six chance of winning this match. That is too low. She has a better than one in six chance of winning. And what do you do with that information? You either bet her, but you only get one shot. You can't bet her six times and expect to win one of those six, right? Mm -hmm. So you can skip the money line on Coco and attack one of the derivatives because there is always correlation between the money line price and the games line and the total. And in this case, uh, you have a very low total of 19 and a half, which is basically saying Iga is going to straight set her comfortably. Like to come in under 19 and a half, this has to be Iga 6-3, Iga 6-4. That's a very, very, very comfortable win in a finals against a player who has not dropped a set this tournament, who is playing with confidence, and who has some weapons that can trouble Iga, whose serve is good enough to kind of hold. And, you know, and, and in general, her return game, definitely good enough to take a serve or two off of Iga. Um, so I think realistically, we're talking about a pretty competitive match here. Ultimately, I think the first set especially will be competitive. So the fact that there is value on the dog here, you can either take golf plus five and a half, which I don't love, or you can take right over now. 19 and a half, which I think is the right play. Okay, over 19 and a half is a beauty. If we get seven, five, seven, six, if the first set goes to a tie break, then 19 and a half coming home, home free. Home free. Um, so realistically, golf can take, can compete early take the first set deep and then whatever happens in the second set happens. You don't have to worry about her getting blown out six two six one in the second set and losing your handicap. Uh, but over 19 and a half, I think is the safest way to attack this one. Uh, and realistically, I think we're going to look at ego winning. I'll call it seven, five, six, three. Okay. I'll hold you to that. I'm going to get involved with the total over games, 19 and a half plus one Oh two, like the plus money. And obviously your analysis helps me back that, but we do have a semifinal on the men's side coming up. That's at 12 PM today. What yeah. do we do with this? Because the second we hop off air, I would like to bet in to the men's semifinals. Yeah. So right now the, uh, Rafa Nadal, Alexander, Sasha, Sasha Zverev match is ongoing. Sasha Zverev is up three, two, but mm -hmm. I will be blown away if he manages to win a set at this point because of his mental hurdles, getting over the finish line in any of these sets. Uh, that said, Nadal probably through to the finals where he will likely take on Marin Cilic, the underdog in the second semifinal match. Lost 175 today. 
I don't see it, man. I don't think that that is a fair price at all. These two players yeah. are dead even the way that they are playing this Fortnite. Rude is, in general, a little bit of an overrated player. He's not a fraud. He's perfectly fine on clay. He's got like eight titles. Four, seven of them, I believe, are on clay. But realistically, he only beats the lesser players on tour. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's what I like to think of as like the top 10 barometer, right? If you are a top 10 player, then you are going to beat him. If you are not a top 10 player, he is going to defeat you. And so he kind of serves as that line in my mind in men's tennis. And Chilich right now is playing top 10 tennis. His clay game has been unbelievable this fortnight. And I think realistically, um, you're going to see a, a relatively clean long first set probably a first set tie break i think chillich wins that tie break and then ultimately goes on to win the match three one but um first set tie break yes is a fun way to play it you can get that at three to one uh and then chillich to win outright at plus 175 is a fun way as well okay love both those looks fairly quickly before we move on for the total games 38 and a half the over is juiced Oof. minus 125 stay away yeah, slight over for me i make this 40 okay but i didn't play it well, actually, it's funny. It's now 39 and a half for total game. So minus 110 yeah. on both yeah. sides. Move that move, directionally over. correct move, okay. in my opinion. Yeah. Makes I sense. Think, All right. That's and, at 12. Yeah. People looking to get involved now, then yeah. you can find yeah. some plus money. Rude's, uh, Rude's serve has been good enough, and his return has been poor enough that I think you're going to see a couple of tiebreaks in this one. Tiebreak is a 13-game set. And those extra three games, because a normal, like the most common scoreline in a tennis set is 6-4. One player gets a break and then holds their serves and wins 6-4. That's your most common outcome in any tennis match, right? Any tennis set. 7-6, six, six, which is a tiebreak score line, is an extra three games. And if you have a couple of tiebreaks in this set, then that it's probably going to cruise over 39 and a half. And you can't get to 30. You can't get to 40 with only three sets. You're going to need a four-setter a four in order to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have two tiebreaks in a four-set match, your average games is about 42. Um, so I think that's what we're looking at here, a four-setter, a couple of tie breaks, and probably in the 40 to 42 range. Okay. I'm excited to watch that coming up. If you're watching us live here on the YouTube channel, that's at 12 p.m. Eastern. Completely side story, we're going to move on. Because I've been watching so much tennis, Roland Garros, <laughs> I asked I asked my fiancé the other day, do you think I can get – I'm not good at tennis. I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> like, you, know, you think I can get one point against, I don't know, what women's doubles I was watching in singles? He's like, no. I'm like, I don't think so either. <laughs> but I'm like, out of 100 serves or rallies. You can get like, one. I'm like, you can, can I get one? one? You can like, get I just one. made a mistake. No, like, you can you get, get one. one point against Nadal? Like, yeah, you just need one framed return to barely make it over the net. And then, That's what I mean. Up, up, up. I'm just going to yeah, stand there and just yeah, the yeah. power off my yeah. racket. Are you okay. going to win a rally? Probably no. not. But are you going to get I'm one return in groin. that happens to dribble? Yeah, hit the net once and it bounces over and then dribbles on the other side of the court. Yeah, of course. Like, the odds for one point are, like, plus 100 with me, and I think I would take it. Nonetheless. I, yeah, that's a fair price, I think. <laughs> Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Tigers taking on the Yankees in the Bronx on Sunday, June 5th at 1130 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. Enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest.
talk a little baseball. Not MLB, though. That's on Sunday. Get involved with the Predict Drop. We're going to talk College World Series. We have the man, the myth, the legend, one of our very own researchers, Johnny TV, now joining us live. And Johnny, I know you you cap college baseball, and we're excited to have you on. We haven't talked a lot now about getting ready for the road to Omaha. So overall, we look at the College World Series futures market. What pops to you? Where do you think there's some value on the board? Well, first off, thanks for having me, guys. Honestly, last night I had trouble sleeping for a couple of reasons. <laughs> One, I was really excited to come on. And two, the Padres closer, Trevor Rogers, decided to blow my layup money line against the Brewers by allowing the bottom of that Brewers lineup to come and score five unanswered runs. So, uh, you know, I still, I'm, I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. You know what they say, Johnny, the classic saying uh, among college baseball coverage, we sleep in July. You don't, you know, you, you, we, we sleep in July, Johnny, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the road to Omaha is incredibly fun. And there has been one team that has stood out head and shoulders above the rest in college baseball. Who are they? And what is the case to be made for them winning the title at the current price? So the Tennessee volunteers, as I've called them for the last few months, they are to college baseball, what the LA Dodgers are to the MLB or what everybody wants the Dodgers to be the MLB. And I'll bet you one thing, the Tennessee volunteers wouldn't get swept by the Pittsburgh pirates. I can guarantee you that, but <laughs> they are, listen, they're the, they're the bully that your parents warned you about growing up. They are so good because they're so deep in so many ways. Offensively, they hit over 140 taters this year. Like it's nothing. And my personal favorite after somebody hits a home run, they put that player in a fur coat and a daddy hat. This team embodies their head coach, Tony Vitello. He's Italian, even though he's from Missouri. Their pitching is what really separates them, though. They have four number one aces, four guys that are probably going to be first-rounders when they choose to leave school, four guys that could probably be the ace on pretty much any team in the country. Now, most teams have a good ace guy, Friday guy. A lot of teams have a good one-two. Almost mm -hmm. nobody has a good one-two-three, and absolutely nobody has a one, two, three, four, like Tennessee. And then we didn't even talk about Ben Joyce, the kid that had drawn everybody to Tennessee. He throws 106. He's the Lamborghini you take out on a Sunday. He's not even their closer. He's not their setup guy. He's not a starter. He's just a low leverage closer, which speaks to the type of depth this team has to be able to guy that throws that hard. That's just a, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get him some work when we can. I think um, Tennessee who I've been running around HQ in Stam Vegas for the last few months saying, hey, hey, you want to make some money? Go, go throw a ticket on Tennessee. And they're the clear favorite at plus yeah. 250 right now at points bet. So obviously I know you're high on them. A lot of college baseball analytics and, and, and announcers rather are high on Tennessee and the volunteers as well. So the clear favorite, but plus 250, that's a short price right now as we're getting ready to invest in futures markets. So I know you have a tick the, ticket on them prior. It seems like you recommend them to win at mm -hmm. plus 250, but what's, what's another team that you like that I personally am looking to get a little bit of more, more value, more bang for my buck as we get ready for the tournament. So initially, and Drew will remember this, it was Texas A&M a few weeks ago. I had points bet. I told everybody, I was like, yo, like they made a huge mistake in price. They were plus 7,000. Two days later, and that was when they were six in the country. Two days later, they're plus 4,000. Now, a couple weeks later, they're plus 2,500. I still think they're going to make noise, but the value, eh. Miami Hurricanes are the team that I've been looking at. To me, I equate them to the college baseball version of the Milwaukee Brewers. Great pitching staff, top to bottom, one of the best in the country. 
led by ace Carson Palmquist, a lefty, sits low 90s with a nice slide piece. And then you have the best closer in the country in Andrew Walters. Except for the one game against Notre Dame, uh, not the last start, but the one before that, he had only allowed one earned run all season. He's literally like Mariano. You know, when he comes in, it's like the Sandman enters. The kid is absolutely unhittable. I think Miami, with their pitching staff, and they have a few stallions on offense, like Johan Di Morales, CJ Capis, Jacob Burke, Maxwell Romero. I think in a winnable region that they have, they should be able to get passed into the Super Regionals and make a lot of teams uncomfortable with the way they can pitch. And I got to be honest, the Hurricanes are probably the happiest team that NC State got snubbed and didn't make it in. So I think they have a really, <laughs> really good chance to make it far. Okay, cool. So the draw works works well. We'll, we'll pull for a, a Canes Vols um, College World Series final. That would be uh, money in pocket at that point. So fantastic. Look, uh, is there a team in the mix here? Uh, towards the top of the board that you think the market is wildly overrating. Absolutely. That's the Arkansas Razorbacks. So fun fact, I went six and three in my college bets in the conference tournaments last week. Two of those losses were Arkansas. Now, it, it, they're strange because they have a pretty good bullpen, and they had one really good starter by the name of Connor Nolan throughout most of the year. And their two, three starter, uh-uh, they don't, they don't do it for me. So this kid, Nolan, his last three starts has allowed at least five earned runs. That's just that this is poor timing. The Arkansas Razorbacks have gone ice cold. They got absolutely bounced in the SEC tournament. Their situational hitting has been terrible. They've left about 34 runners on base over their last six games. They're playing bad defense. And, you know, you're going in a, a tough regional here. I, I just don't see them getting out of this regional. But if yeah, they, they have a do, difficult region. Yeah, exactly. If they do, I don't think they're making it. Uh, if they get out of this game, I mean, the, the game against Grand Canyon, because I actually have Grand Canyon upsetting them. I don't okay. think they're making out of the regional. Wow, that'd be a big upset from Grand Canyon today. They've lost their last four games in a row, and obviously they've dropped in the rankings, as you've discussed. So 25 to 1, maybe not getting involved in that. I'm going to put you on the spot here, because when, when guests come on, especially when we talk about the futures market, whether we're betting into the NBA or college basketball, as we get ready for the tournament, this is similar. I look for a long shot, a team that can make some noise. Things break their way. We like their region. Who fits that script for you? So since it's no longer the Aggies, I got to go with the Oklahoma Sooners. They were not good in the first half of the year. They had a lot of struggles. And in the second half, they've absolutely charged in the back nine, 19 and eight over their last 27 games. They're 60 to one right now. And honestly, they were 22nd in the, in the country rankings. And then after the weekend they had where they won the Big 12 championship, they're number nine now. And what makes them so difficult is the fact that they could run like nobody else can. They wreak havoc on the base paths. Uh, they have 135 steals this year. That's by far the most out of any remaining team in the tournament. They have more guys on this team that can steal bases than there are scars guards running around Hollywood. Swiper, yes, swiping. Five guys with at least 10 stolen bases. Uh, they're led by an absolute, the Kevin Durant of college baseball. Six foot four, 170 pound Peyton Graham. The kid's batting 340 with 16 tanks and 30 steals. They got good pitching, a deep lineup, and they are red hot. Nobody wants to see them. Fantastic. The Kevin Durant of college baseball. Okay. Um, the, uh, pounds, six four. <laughs> there's a cut. That's a big boy. Yeah, I guess. But Kevin Durant's like 6'11". Uh, <laughs> the uh, the um, painting the 
grand picture was fantastic there. Thank you for all of that. Uh, and I got your tip on uh, <clears throat> the Grand Canyon antelopes uh, taking down uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. That'll be fun. Any other game by game action that we can get involved with early in these regionals? Yeah, so I actually had Oklahoma today against Liberty. That's just a quick one. My Arizona money line versus Ole Miss, another team I had fading, got rained out because the Coral Gables region, uh, it, it's seen a lot of bad weather in Miami, and it's going to push it tomorrow, mm -hmm. maybe even Sunday. Um, Oklahoma's one against Liberty. But then the one I think everybody wants to see, at least me, is Tennessee today. They're playing Alabama State. So I, I talked about how good Tennessee is, right? They can put up – 20 runs by themselves they could drop a 20 bean no question they put up 27 against mississippi state a couple weeks ago the reigning ncaa champions from last year who didn't even make the tournament but they have all these guys that could at least 10 home runs they have trey lipscomb they have drew gilbert they have ortega jordan beck there's just so many guys that could hit in this team on this lineup and they play in a small ballpark led the league in, in home runs and Honestly, the pitcher they're probably going against, I would say, is Breon Pooler. He doesn't allow a lot of home runs this year, you know, playing in Alabama State, whatever, but he's walked a ton. Over 40 walks in about 84 innings. Tennessee is going to make you pay. They might put up a 30 bean today. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we're now yeah, we're not going to get involved with the minus four thousand, and you could look at their team total. Um, but I like the look on the over. I've seen a little bit of actually money come in on the over. This was twelve and a half, but I think because of the reasons, a lot of power in that lineup, multiple guys. I think there's eight players on Tennessee now with double digit bombs on that team. So how many uh, how many runs would you lay with Tennessee today? <laughs> so their run line is eight and a half today. Never <laughs> seen anything like it. Listen, I don't want to bet against them. You know what I'm saying? Because like. Blake Tidwell's on the mound <laughs> eight for and a half run line. Eight and a half. I've never Blake heard Tidwell. of that. I've never heard of it either, honestly. But uh, Blake Tidwell, who was pitching for Tennessee, was supposed to be their ace coming into the season. He, he just came back from a shoulder injury a couple couple months ago. He's working his way back. But, you know, he's been pretty good lately. And like I said, Tennessee putting up 15 no to 20 taking runs. No one's with Alabama State. I'll just say that. If you're going to get involved, you're probably getting involved with the favorite. A better way to target yeah. this is probably the total. I mean, if they hang a 30 bean. If they hang a well, 30 bean, that's whatever. You might as well lay the eight and a half. I mean. <laughs> He's not just uh, one of our amazing researchers for NBC Sports Edge. Johnny does a great job handicapping college baseball. You can read his handicap on the site, NBCSportsEdge.com. He also has amazing analogies and does stuff like taters, 30 beans, calling people daddy randomly so there's a lot to get to know with johnny but hey we appreciate you best of luck with all your plays and i yeah i hope your plays are butter today johnny everything's gonna be butter today and quick one that you guys gotta watch today sarah we're talking off air you guys need to watch at 12 o'clock coming up this ucla florida state game it's probably the best pitching match of the day with ucla's max Radjic, one of the best in the game and florida state's parker messick he's one of the strikeout kings of uh, college baseball this year so it's gonna be a really good one Okay. Thank you, Johnny. You can find them on Twitter at Johnny V TV. I got to start using some of those words. His analogies are way better than my vocabulary. It's the 30 bean for me, but I, I like his looks in college baseball. I haven't been watching a ton of college baseball to be completely transparent, but now's when it really starts to get fun. We've yeah. been a little busy watching yeah. the NBA, some MLB, but also getting healthier. Our voice has been a little off. Oh yeah. Um, I don't have a 30 bean piece pick for my edge of the day. I don't think you do either, but I am curious as we wrap up the show on this Friday, I want your best bet for game two of the NBA finals, Drew. 
I'm going back to the wall. Surprise. Uh, I don't think this Everyone price, saw I, don't, <laughs> I don't think four and a half is the right price. Surprise. I mean, this is like the weird, funny thing you're going to hear as people handicap this or talk about this game as they get up to Sunday. Like, because the Warriors can't afford to go down 0-2, they're somehow going to play better. It's a weird narrative-y kind of nonsense that I just can't really get behind. If you can tell me that there are specific adjustments the Warriors can make that give them a tactical advantage in Game 2 over the Celtics and therefore will level the series, I will listen to those arguments. If you are telling me that the Warriors are going to they want it more and they can't afford to go down 0-2 i will laugh in your face because that is not enough of a reason to bet on a team that is that is not as good as their opponents uh, their opponents who by the way play incredibly well on the road and so i think realistically this is going to be a hard-fought game uh if the warriors and again as we talked about on the top i'm not exactly sure what they can do to give themselves a tactical advantage in this in this head-to-head. And for those reasons, I think ultimately the Celtics will win and go back to Boston with the 2-0 lead. I would love um, to see nothing more yeah. than that. And the comments coming yeah. in, I've seen a few throughout our show, and I am reading this. Yeah, the Warriors price. Yeah, it's, <laughs> big, it's a bigger number than yesterday. And you did mention on, on yesterday's show, we might not even get a better price than three and a half. Well, we are, even after they won. But the market, obviously, and a lot of people betting on the Warriors for game two. But the argument, I think, what yeah. you're referring to, which yeah. I totally side with, it's a lazy argument. They need to win game two. Yeah, of course. Everyone needs to win game two. It's the NBA finals. Both teams they prob- yeah. Hey, spoiler alert. The Warriors <laughs> wanted to win game one. <laughs> they did. They wanted to. Let's they really be, did. Let's just be honest on this Friday show. <laughs> yeah, the Warriors they, wanted to win no, game one. They weren't trying to make this harder on themselves they wanted to win game one i promise you that i promise you (laughs) i'm in agreement with you we're seeing eye to eye i like the points with the boston celtics but a way that i'm getting involved with not just the points and i took the celtics in six so i'm hoping that obviously comes home as well i like jalen brown i loved him yesterday and you know what for the nb i took him for the nba finals mvp you could have found him close to 12 to 1 before tip off and now it's come down but now we've already attacked that market we're going to look at his uh, assist market Three and a half assists on Sunday, Drew. You tell me why this is plus 125, because I'm squinting at my computer this morning trying to figure out why this is so low. He had five assists last night. He's averaging five assists over his last 10 games. I think we're seeing three and a half because Tatum was so forced to be a playmaker. Not a great shooting performance from him last night. He put up a career-high 13 assists. People are now running to the well to back Jason Tatum in the assist market. But I think... Combined with the fact that Jalen Brown was fantastic in game one, along with Al Horford, arguably the difference maker, positive regression for Jason Tatum shooting-wise, it's going to be a big Jalen Brown game again. So I like the Celtics. I like the points with the Seas. I like the assist market. Not only for Jalen Brown, also Jason Tatum, but I said this to you before we came on air, which was interesting. Jalen Brown either scored or assisted 20 of the Celtics' first 23 points of the fourth quarter. So all aboard the Celtics train. Over three and a half assists, Jalen Brown. No idea why this number is. Makes no sense. Yeah, so going back to sort of the original, how does the series work? The Celtics will likely roll out in game one the same plan that worked so effectively in the fourth quarter of uh, you know game two. They're going to roll out the same plan that worked so effectively in the fourth quarter of game one. That's just the way these things go. And what exactly is what you know? What worked is exactly what you said. And I don't even really know if people noticed it or saw it, but Jalen Brown was supremely good at facilitating last night. 
And I would expect 100% that that is sort of the plan A early for these guys. And, you know, assuming that the, um, you know, the Celtics can knock down their threes, um, Jalen Brown is going to get that number pretty comfortably. Now, I like in particular, I think the Warriors are going to have to overcommit to defending the three at some point, either because the Celtics continue to punish them early in game two or because they come into the game two with that plan to sell out to stop the three. And at that point, I do think the you know the opportunities will be there for both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to get to the rim. I mean, let's be honest, Tatum's going Tatum's going to get a thirty bean here. I, I mean, I don't think you can you can really count against that. Um, and uh, Jalen Brown could as well. So uh, let's go Celtics. Rooting for Celtics on Sunday. The points, I like the assist market, and I'm going to get involved in the point props as well, but they've been kind of moving a ton early this morning. and Most yeah. of the money coming in on the over for the game, as we mentioned, at points bet. And with the Warriors, and as many times as we could say a 30 bean in the next week, I am going to say <laughs> it on this show. I want a 30 bean from both my guys, and especially Jalen Brown. Hey, that's yeah. all we have for you this week on Bet the Edge, powered by points bet. It's been a Friday foolishness day, and that's how we leave it here. Best of luck with all your bets, not just for today, for the weekend. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you right back here Monday on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Have a great weekend. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.